Darren here, and welcome to the Supernaturals Podcast Show. If this is your first time listening to the show, you're in for a real treat. We got a good one for you today. But before we dive into it, guys, make sure that you connect with me on social media. I'm on Facebook and loving the Insta platform right now. So Facebook, Instagram, that's where I've been hanging lately. That's where you should be hanging as well. So I realize there's a lot of people on the podcast where we haven't actually been able to connect yet. And so to do that, my handle is the same across all the different social media platforms. It's at the Darren Stott. So again, add the Darren Stott. So to do that on Facebook, you would go facebook.com forward slash the Darren Stott. And then just go on to Instagram and do a search for Darren Stott or the Darren Stott. So I'm out there. I'd love to connect with you. Love to see what you're up to. Love to see um, your kingdom expression, how it's being played out on the earth. That's the purpose of this podcast is to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. Today's show is composed of audio extracted from night 415 at the West Coast Rumble Conference in San Diego with Jeremy Miranda Nelson and James Gall. It was recorded on July 30th and I got to break down the breakdowns on the topic of the fire of God, his burning relational glory and how we've been called to be a host of his presence. So that's where we're going right here, right now. It's all about the fire on the Supernaturalist podcast show. Let's go. Welcome to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, where emerging revivalists and extraordinary leaders share inspirational experiences that will help take you to a higher level. Now here's your host, Darren Stott. How do you know that historically that God moves through people? that he can, he can show up and, and do whatever he wants. Like God, God can do whatever he wants because he's God. And so he doesn't have to use people, and yet he does. Uh, it, it brings him pleasure. How many of you know that we are referred to as the body of Christ? The body of Christ. Um, Patricia King said to me, she said, you know, I, I honor all these different prophetic words about a nameless, faceless revival, she goes, but have you ever heard of a nameless or faceless revival? Jeremy and Miranda hosted a lunch yesterday, uh, uh, like a brunch kind of Q&A panel. And on each table was a picture with a face and a name. On each table, there was a picture of a face and a name. There was John G. Lake, Oral Roberts, Catherine Coleman, Mariah Woodworth Eder, these faces and names. Isn't it amazing to think that one day there might be a table that has your picture on it and your name on it? God uses people, people with faces, people with names. The first thing that Jesus did when he started his ministry is he recruited his team. And who did Jesus pick? Ordinary people, ordinary dudes, fishermen, tax collectors, yeah? Just ordinary people. And these ordinary people, he recruited, he discipled. They only had three years with him. And then he completely empowered them, meaning that he released, he released delegated authority and opportunity. I mean, only three years of training to change the world. 
I mean, this is what Jesus says. He says, I've been given this tremendous mission, this huge, huge mission. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, now I got to go. Like, what do you mean you got to go? Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, we, we can't do this without you. We've only had three years with you, and you've been doing the majority of the stuff, and now you're leaving? And Jesus, and this is what Jesus says. Guys, here's what I want you to do. I want for you to go and make disciples of nations. Like, in the same way that I sought you out, in the same way that I recruited you, I equipped you, and I released you, I want you to go and do that with whole nations. Now, I got to go, and it's good for you that I go. Because if I, because Jesus is like this, like, while I'm here on earth, I can only be at one place at one time. So I'm going to ascend to be with my Father, but then I'm going to send God the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, I can be everywhere. I can be everywhere present. I can be everywhere I need to be. So trust me, this is good. So you guys need to go, and you guys need to go and do this stuff, but don't do anything. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. You just, you wait. You wait for the Holy Spirit to come. If you got your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. Because I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about fire tonight. And, uh, and I'm not a long-winded teacher. In fact, I'm really quick. So just go and t- take a deep breath. <sighs> this is going to be like a five-minute daily devotional Darren. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so I, I'm just going to hit on a couple. I'm just going to hit on a couple points, and then we're just going to invite the fire of God just to come and just just. To, I just believe that the Lord wants to baptize us afresh in fire tonight. Okay, and 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 that this isn't like a new theme tonight. Like this has been the theme for this whole for this whole weekend. This has been the theme for the whole outpouring, the fire in glory outpouring. So I want to look at just the fire of God. I want to look at um, what it looks like contextually. I want to look at what it looks like internally, and then I want to look at what it looks like externally, okay? And I think this is going to be encouraging to you. Now, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. Everyone just say all together. Revival always takes place in the context of community. It always takes place in the presence of two or more. That there's no such thing as, a, uh, as, as an isolated revival. That you and your jammies watching YouTube, um, that's not revival, okay? Uh, God comes and he blesses. He uses communities, Yeah. So they were all together. That's a principle. If you want, if you're at, no offense to everyone watching online on YouTube, like God, God bless you. But look, if you're not a part of a community, then you're not, then you've kind of disqualified yourself to be a part of awakening and revival on the earth. So it's time to engage in a community. And I don't just mean any community. You need to find two or more that are contending on the earth for a full manifestation of the presence of God. Yep, 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 yep. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not okay to be in environments that are not welcoming the Holy Spirit and then try to be subverting the DNA of those environments to try to make those environments our environments. And so if you're part of a community that is not going after revival, God did not put you there to instill a revival dynamic in that community. They have their own DNA. And no matter how powerful you think you are, you can't change the DNA of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't subvert um, the unity of a local community in order to try to bring some sort of 
revival dynamic. No, no, no. If that's not their call, then you need to find you need to find a community that shares your values for revival, for awakening. And then you don't just show up and fill a seat. No, you show up and you invest yourself. Yourself, you invest your energy, your time, your prayer, your love, your affection into what God is doing. Enough on that. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. They were together in one place. And suddenly, just say suddenly. That, that means, whoop, there it is. That's what that means. And suddenly, there came from heaven. There came from where? All right. So check it out. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, I used to teach that in the upper room, a wind came into the room and blew through the wind, through the, whoa, through the room. But that's not what it says. It says there came from heaven. Think about this for a second, that God sent from heaven to earth. This is the great journey of the Holy Spirit, okay? From heaven to earth came God, the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a wind. It was God. That God came and filled the room, and it took on the manifestation like a mighty rushing wind. A wind did not blow through the room. The wind-like nature of God came and settled in the room. And that was just part one, okay? So now they are in the presence of God. But what, what's about to take place? It's about to get freaky, yeah? All right. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, verse three, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we read the rest of the story. There's all these people from all over, all, you know, all, all over the place. They're all in town, all these different languages. And they begin to hear the gospel preach in their own languages through tongues. Yeah. And um, jump down real quick um, where it says verse 12. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others began mocking and said, they just drunk. Yeah, they just filled with new wine. And then we know the rest of the story. Peter gets up on top of a car, right, on top of an old Buick, and is like, the, we are not drunk as you suppose. It's way too early for that. We just very, very filled with the Holy Ghost. What we see here is, is the wind-like nature, the presence of God comes into the room like the sound of a mighty, rushing, violent hurricane. It settles into the room to let everybody know that he is here. He is on the earth. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the majesty. It's the might. It's the authority. It's the freaky deaky presence of God himself, okay, to let them know that it's, this is about to go down. And then what happens is that the fiery, the fiery presence his, of the glory presence of God appears like a flame and then divides 120 times it divides up, it appears as pillars of tongues, it comes upon and then into them. So they go from being in the presence of God to God being literally inside of them. 
And what's amazing about this is the response. So like contextually, biblically, this is, this, is so, this is so scandalous because when you read the Old Testament, you see Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 where God shows up as a burning torch. You see the burning bush and Moses where the, where, where, where the, 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 the presence like of God's relational presence, in, where God's relational glory shows up as a fire and from the burning bush comes this revealing of the destiny and mission of Moses. Um, you see Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is crazy because because God's glory presence, his relational presence, it rests upon a mountain and nobody wants to be in it. Nobody wants to be in, in that fire. Nobody wants to go up and to consult with God. So what do they do? They send Moses up. Like we, everyone's freaking out. We want nothing. To, it's the it's the terror of God. It's the fear of God. We we want nothing. We want nothing to do with it's 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 the average person cannot be in the presence of God. It it it, it reveals all all the sinfulness and all the generational stuff and all that. Like who who are we? If we go up on that mountain, we will be destroyed. Like and here in, in Ezekiel one, it, it's 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 fire everywhere that. That oftentimes, with, with, throughout the Old Testament, whenever the fire of God shows up, it's, it's terrifying, it's intolerable. Oftentimes, that fire of God is actually fatal. And the difference here is that in the past, the people of God said, no, we can't handle it. We need, we need a mediator. We need Moses. Send Moses up on behalf of the common people. Then what happens? Jesus happens. Jesus, the true and perfect Moses, happens. So that the common man does not have to be separated from the fire. That the common people that used to not be able to tolerate the fire, the fatal fiery presence of God's relational presence, the average person cannot handle it. Send up a mediator. Send up a Moses. And then the father so loves the world. The the father so loves San Diego. He so loves the West Coast that he sends his only begotten son, the true imperfect Moses, to come and to bring us into the place where we no longer have to be separated and fearful of the fatal and fiery presence of God's relational glory, but now for the first time ever, the fire of God shows up in a room with average, ordinary people, and it doesn't just go into the 12. Like, like if I was to author this story, I would say, who can be trusted with the flame? Who could be trusted with this kind of authority, with this kind of fiery presence, with God himself? Who could be trusted? Maybe three out of the 12. Maybe, maybe the three that were closest to Jesus, just in, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe the 12. But who is this God? Who is this God that, that sends the flame of himself? He, def- he divides himself up into 120 flames, and every single person in the room gets to receive the gift of God's relational glory, not settling upon them, but actually literally coming into them. Where under the Old Testament, there would be an encounter with the burning bush, but for the first time ever, there would be a people of the burning bush, that we see 120 burning bushes in the upper room, and this isn't a visitation, this is a habitation. This is God himself inside of a new, inside of a new breed of temples. 
where a people begin to be a habitat for divinity. Now, here's the thing about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not just this historical narrative put here to tease you about how good it used to be back in the old days. The book of Acts is an invitation, an invitation to step into a partnership with heaven. Because how many of you know that God still loves the world? That he still loves the West Coast? That he still loves the whole world and her depravity and in her brokenness? He still loves the whole world in her sinfulness. That he loves the whole world, that he's giving the world his church. But to a great degree, the church has become far too secular for the world. And here's the thing, we've got to get back to this invitation to where we become a habitation for the fiery presence of God. So that every time we come into the presence, we're not inviting the fire to come, but we're continuing to host the habitat of his fiery nature within inside of us. So that every time we come together, we are, we are, we are stewarding and releasing together his glory presence inside of us. And that when we come together corporately, we just, we just come up to these new places and these certain kind of atmospheres are created where God can show up and show off. Now, when the Holy Spirit, you know, I, w- I was third generation Assembly of God, yeah? So my grandpa was in the Assembly of God. My dad was in the Assembly of God. I said, I'd never be in the Assembly of, assembly of God. I said, I would never be a pastor, yeah? So, well, here I am. That's a different story, different night. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not actually assemblies any longer. The Lord called us out, but they blessed me. They love me. But the reason why I bring up the assemblies is because our big thing is um, uh, initial evidence of the Holy Spirit is tongues. Okay, and so that was our big. That was our big thing. Like, how do you know you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because you, you speak in tongues. Yeah. And my grandpa he used to say, even my shoes got tongues. You got to have more than tongues. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my grandpa. <laughs> um, this, this is what I want to look at for a second. The, 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 the internal expression of the fiery flame of God's presence. How do you know that you're hosting his glory? How do you know that there is a West Coast rumble taking place inside of you? <laughs> How do you know that? Is, is tongues the evidence of that? Um, I would say this. It's a evidence. It's a evidence. But I believe that the initial evidence of hosting the fiery presence of God's relational glory is a revelation of sonship. And I think that sonship is going to be a primary value to the West Coast Rumble and to this move of God on, on the earth. That I, I believe that there's going to be, I, I, I don't believe that the message of sonship is just a revelatory thing that's going to be here for a season. I, don't, I think that, that, the, that the message of sonship is the summit of the gospel. I think, it's, I think it is, I think it is, I think it is it. I think, I think, the, I think the title of titles is not apostle, it's son. <laughs> It's son. It's not pastor, right? Like the title of titles is son. And so you say, Darren, what are you talking about? 
we see that when Jesus was baptized, when, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, what happened? It, it wasn't a wind that showed up. It wasn't a fire that showed up. It was a dove that showed up. And, and, and after Jesus gets baptized in water, a dove shows up, and out of heaven comes a voice that says, here is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is the, like the ordination of Jesus into his earthly ministry, yeah? That his, his ordination began with this heavenly proclamation from his heavenly daddy saying, hey, guys, here's my boy, and I'm really proud of him. Yeah? That that's what happened upon the, you know, it wasn't necessarily the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus and Jesus going, No, no, no. It was, it was this, it was this baptism. It was the Holy Spirit coming on him. And it was this, it was this, it was this revelation of Galatians 4, 6, that the Spirit of God comes into our heart. And all of a sudden our spirit testifies and cries out, Abba, Daddy. It's Romans 8, 8, 16, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, his fire, his fire glory comes into our heart and bears witness with our spirit that we are, that we are, we are children of God. That how do you know, how do you know that the fire of God is resting inside of you? There is this explosion of revelatory insight that you are so loved, that you are so cherished, that you are so beautiful, and that you are not a revivalist based off of what you do. You are a revivalist because his resurrection power is reviving you from the inside out so that even when you're not doing anything, you're being transformed from the inside out. And wherever you go, atmospheres are being revived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That possibilities, that dreams are being revived. Because you have his fiery relational glory inside of you. He's habitating inside of you. So that's what it looks like internally. What does it look like externally? Drunkenness. Drunkenness. They say to them, <laughs> they say to them, are you guys, are you guys seriously drunk? All of you this early in the morning? Why did it look, why did it look like they were drunk? Because of <laughs> because they were messed up. You know it's interesting. That drunkenness in the natural, drinking of the wine of the world. That alcohol, what is alcohol? It's a depressant. And that doesn't mean that it makes you depressed. When they say that alcohol is a depressant, what it means is that it depresses a part of your brain that makes reality foggy. So that, why are you so happy when you just lost your job? Because the alcohol comes, it depresses that part of your brain. So now all of a sudden there's this, there's this joyful courage <laughs> in the middle of all these natural circumstances because alcohol comes and it makes all the natural, it depresses reality. Here's the difference about the new wine. Here's the difference about the apple wine. Here's the difference about the Holy Spirit. When you get intoxicated in the heart of God, 
He doesn't come to depress a part of your brain. He doesn't come to bring a certain level of ignorance. That when you begin to engage with the fiery presence of God's relational glory, it looks similar in the sense that there's this joyful courage inside of you. There's this, in, there's this inhibition. There's this crazy freedom that begins to come out of you. There's this, there's this part of you, the real part of you, that begins to show up. That part of you that the enemy has tried to, that has tried to squash and to try to, tried to put out. You know, but here's the thing about the, the here's the thing about the new wine. Here's the thing about the glory of God that He doesn't come to depress you. He comes to reveal the true you. That that when you get absolutely baptized in that fiery presence of God, when you get inebriated in the love of God, there's there's this there's this fullness, this full revelatory. It's it's all of a sudden you begin to see more fully. You begin to see the truth. You know, and and here's the thing: a lot of people they be drunk on the wine of tradition, you know, and, 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 and it's like they go into these religious kind of things where they, they know exactly what's going to happen and exactly when it's going to happen. You can get drunk on tradition so much so that when somebody messes with your tradition, it's like somebody took your booze away, you know, it's like, I needed that, you know, and I think that what the Lord is doing, yep, 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 is he's taking away the bottle of tradition. A lot of us, we've been drinking off tradition, you know, yep, 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 it's true. A lot of us, we've been drinking off the bottle of predictability. You know, our life has become this set in series of spiritual patterns where we become task-driven Christians and believers so that we don't got to pray and obey, right? We don't got to pray. Why would you have to obey God? You got your daily routine. You got your daily thing. You got, and I'm telling you, we need revival. We need awakening because what revival is, is it's a pattern interrupt. It's where God steps in and he says, I want the wine of my spirit, the wine of my love. I want to so intoxicate you with my fiery relational glory. I want to so show up because how many of you know that all, all our stuff, it's not going to change the world. But how many of you know that his heart will absolutely captivate a generation? How many of you know that? How many of you believe that God could save, you know, a, a, a nation in a day? How many of you actually believe that God could save a nation in a day? You know, we were driving by the Mormon temple, my daughter and I, on the way to school, and she said to me, "Daddy, are those people going to heaven?" And we started talking about Mormonism, and she saw the angel, the angel of Moroni, on top of that. I just started talking about um, deception, houses of misguided worship, and she, and, and, and you know, Abigail said to me, she goes. Daddy, we need to pray that the angel breaker shows up inside that temple. And then the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. He said, do you believe that a nation can be saved in a day? I said, yes. He goes, do you believe that a religion could be saved in a day? If the enemy could show up with a deceptive spirit, an angel, to come in and to create a religion in a country, how do you know that the spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ Jesus, could come up and reveal himself How many know that when you cast judgment, you no longer have the ability to bring influence? I'm telling you, God's going to so blow our minds. God is just going to, he's going to so offend us. And the only way that we're going to be able to participate with what God is doing on the face of the earth is we're going to have to be drunk. And not drunk on religion. Oh, my goodness. Not drunk on tradition. Not drunk on our preferences. I prefer that it look this way. We're going to have to just get so lost in Jesus that whatever, whatever is in his heart, so that when we want to get offended, we say, but Father, is this what you're doing in your heart? 
Like, God, I don't like this at all. I don't like what this looks like at all. But is, are you in this? Are you doing this? Is this, what you're, is this what you're releasing? Because I'm telling you that God is beginning something. God is beginning something. But he's going to have to completely mess us up in order to set us up, in order to position us so that we would be able to do How many of you know that just previously within the story, the very same guy that denied Jesus three times, like he was embarrassed of Jesus, was the very same guy that stood up in front of everybody and did this altar call, right, where we see 3,000 decisions made. Just weeks later, like what is it, 14 days or so? I don't know what the period of time is. How many of you, because of your past, you you don't think God can use you? Peter denied Jesus, and then all of a sudden, here he is, the lead pastor of the fastest-growing church on the face of the earth in a matter of of weeks. So what does it look like internally? It's sonship. It's that place of knowing that you're absolutely loved. What does it look like externally? Come! (laughs) What does it look like externally? Woo! It looks like his fire coming and amplifying and bringing in true perspective of kingdom realities so that the very people that are criticizing one thing, the very people that are coming saying, look at all this crisis, all of a sudden a a drunken company of believers begins to emerge on the earth, whereas one person is saying crisis, there's a generation saying opportunity, 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 opportunity. Ha, 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 ha. So I believe the Father has some fruit for you tonight. But I don't actually think it's an apple. I think it's a pear. Because Bob believed that the pear was the supernatural fruit of macrothumia, which is patience. There's the supernatural fruit of patience. And I'll tell you what that is. The structure of it is resistance over time. Acts chapter 2 is awesome. I love how you guys have been talking about Acts chapter 4 and the rumble and the quake. In Acts chapter 2, the fire comes. In Acts chapter 3, the cripple gets healed. In Acts chapter 4, the move of God comes into the resistance and into the opposition where the celebrated ones get arrested and thrown into prison. If you want to be a part of what God's doing on the earth, there's going to be resistance. For the first time ever, the religious people, the politicians, the military leaders unite. These guys have nothing in common. The enemies that unite, they have nothing in common, and they unite as the opposition to come against the anointed ones on the earth. And the moment you say yes to the Lord, the moment you begin to run with God's relational fire presence, The opposition will come. I promise you it will come. It will come in the spirit, and it will come in the natural. It will come to shut it down. uh, uh, It's it's, it's Elijah and and the power of God, and then it's Jezebel that comes to shut that move down. It's it's, it's the pattern. You'll see it every single time that the moment God begins to move, and it's not just the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of of religion, and it comes to subvert a move from the inside. And I'm telling you that if you want to be a part of what God is doing on the earth, then you're going to have to make a commitment not to a three-year move, not to a three-month
two-month move, not to a three-week move. It's going to take a commitment to a 30-year move of God, a 40-year move of God. It's going to take a lifelong commitment that you will steward the presence of God and that you will invest your life into a move of God, knowing that if you say yes, the resistance will come. That macrothumia, the supernatural uh, fruit of patience, it's the pair. It's resistance over time. Now you know that that timeline is a fuse, and it goes to a bomb, and the minute that bomb explodes, the minute you explode, the minute you say, I'm done, I quit, I've, I've had it. When that explodes, it's like it, it, it's done. What does macrothumia do? What does the fruit of the, of the spirit of patience do? It makes that fuse really long. So that the enemy's coming after you, coming after you, trying to get you to explode. But the fuse never reaches the bomb. Why? Because of that supernatural endurance. That when the opposition comes, you know that you'll be just fine because you're pacing yourself for the long race. You're in his grace and in his favor. I like what the Marines say. Apparently, the Marines say this. Though I might bleed, though I may die, I will not give up. I will not quit. And that's, that's, that's my prayer for Jeremy and Miranda, that when I pray for you guys, that's, that's, that's how I pray, that that, that that supernatural endurance to pace yourself for the long race, that no matter what comes at you, no matter what comes against you, knowing that, that you know Acts 2 and you know Acts 4, you know the religious opposition and political opposition, you know you feel that resistance, but it's that resistance over time. It's that long timeline that God has made you long fused and that no matter what the enemy throws at you, you won't blow up. You won't quit. You won't go down because you're in this for the long run. And that's what God wants to do in you is give you supernatural perseverance that you would not quit, that you would have that, that you would have that endurance over time to lean into the tension against the resistance externally and internally that you know I might bleed, I might die, but I will not give up. For God so loved the world that he's sending you. He's sending you to burn with God's relational fiery presence to say that a sinful people no longer have to be separated from the fire, but God sent his son so that a people could host the fire of God inside of them. It's not that God wants to bring you to a burning bush, but he wants to bring the burning bush inside of you, that you'd begin to burn with that destiny. You'd begin to burn with that purpose that you would know that you've been created for such a time as this. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a prophetic destiny inside of you. You are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You are extraordinary because the extraordinary presence of God is inside of you. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. Father, we thank you for the flame of your presence. We thank you, Father, for that, for the pair, for that supernatural endurance, Father. We say we will run, we will carry, we will carry the flame inside of us. We will declare the name of Jesus the Christ. We will reveal the authority of Jesus the Christ. We will run in the character and nature of the Father. We will run with a demonstration in that demonstration anointing that we will have the proclamation and a demonstration. Oh, 
Yeah, just put your hand on your belly. Put your hand on your belly and just begin to thank God. Just begin to give thanks. Whoa, just begin to give thanks for the fire of God that is rested inside of you. And there, there have been times you didn't feel it. There have been times when you got discouraged. There have been times when you just thought, I, I don't know if I got it anymore. I feel like I lost it. But you haven't lost it. You haven't lost it. Because it's not a it. It's a him. It's a him. And he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. But he will remain inside of you. Just declare, Father, let me steward your fiery presence. Let me steward your relational glory. Father, renew that revelation that I am a son, that I'm a daughter, that I'm loved, that I didn't choose you, that you chose me, that you ordained me, that before you created everything, you knew my name, you knew my call, that you set me apart even way back then, that I don't got to prove anything to anyone. I just get to be fully me and you. I just get to be me and reveal you. So right now, I take off the mantle of performance. Right now, I take off the pressure to have to please everyone. Right now, I take off every heavy, weighty thing that's tried to resist the anointing inside of me. It's for some of you, like you, you've, you've just, you felt that resistance. You've just, you felt that pressure. You felt that discouragement. You just wondered, I don't know how much longer I can keep running. You know, for some of you, it's just like, God, for some of you, you've even asked questions like, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. I don't even know if I feel saved anymore. And, 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 and for some of you, like the resistance has been so strong because the enemy's come to shut down the anointing in you. It's, the, it's, 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 it's not personal. It's not you. It's, the, it's, it's Christ Jesus, that hope of glory inside of you. And, and, and the reason why there's been such a warfare is because God's, God's call on your life is so extraordinary. The influence that you have on the earth is so extraordinary. But the lie of the enemy is that you have no influence unless you have a microphone. Or you have no influence unless you have a stage. That you have no influence unless you're running a church or a ministry. But that's absolutely a lie. That the Father's planted you. He's put you in a neighborhood. He's put you in a region. He's placed you somewhere. And the reason why he's placed you there is for you to burn. For you to burn. For the fragrance of God himself to begin to, to cover your neighborhood. For the fragrance of God himself to come and begin to cover your region. So right now I pray that all discouragement would be broken off of you right now. And even the spirit of discouragement would be lifted off of you right now. That even the accuser of the brethren that's come to bring accusation against you. That that voice would be silenced right now in Jesus name. And I pray that you would hear tonight from your dad. I pray that you would hear tonight from your father. That you would hear your dad say, here's my son. 
Here's my girl. Here's my baby. Here's my princess in whom I'm well pleased. Hey, world, look at my son here. Look at my daughter here. I'm about to use them to do extraordinary things on the earth. And that as you run with the fire of God, you would run from that place of sonship. That you would run from that place of identity. And that you'd be so saturated with his presence that sometimes people think you're drunk because of that joyful courage that you're walking in. I just declare courage over you, joyful, joyful courage. I even declare tonight that those dreams, those things that you used to have in your heart, that you've laid down, that maybe life just feels like it's just task, like it's just tradition, and you don't even know why you're running anymore. I just pray tonight that you have your vision restored, that destiny would be restored tonight. Miranda hit it tonight. She said tonight she saw angels coming bringing destiny scrolls. You've been created for such a time as this, to run with the fire of God. Not to attend the West Coast Rumble, but to be a West Coast Rumble. The Lord wants to rumble through you. He wants to move through you. He wants to shake things through you. He wants to release his glory through you. He wants to use you as an oracle on the earth, as a prophet on the earth, to, be, to declare the heartbeat of God, to, to release the heartbeat of God into situations, into, into your family, into your, into your children. So we just declare restoration right now, restoration of vision. and the courage to be able to hope again.